Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. And I'm Justin Ruderman. And today we are bringing you our first ever in-person episode. Justin, how are you doing, my man? Doing well. There how we are you, go. man? Uh, I'm doing great. We're back home uh, for Christmas break, winter break. Um, and so we thought we would get together and do this episode today. Obviously, we missed last week. I was traveling in the Grand Canyon, which was uh, amazing, beautiful place. Highly recommend it if you've never been. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today, Justin. We're going to start with a, a game that happened last Saturday. Um, I was in a car to the Grand Canyon when it was happening, and that was MLS Cup in Portland at Providence Park, New York City, taking on the hosting Timbers, Justin Talk us through what happened. Absolutely, yeah. We uh, we talked about this game previously. We both had predicted a Portland victory, as did our uh, followers on Twitter predicted that in our poll. Honestly, it was a pretty boring game for for, for the most part uh, until Castellano scored in the forty first minute. Of course, it had to be him, Golden Boot winner. Yeah. Um, but then it, it it really was not the most entertaining game. There wasn't there weren't a ton of chances. It wasn't uh, you know that back and forth. It was just a midfield battle for the most part playing. Um, but it got exciting in stoppage time when Felipe Mora became a Portland Timbers legend. Essentially, ninety fourth minute equalizer in MLS Cup. There was controversy around the goal. There was questions around whether there was a foul on Portland. Um, but regardless, Mora got the, got the goal, sent it to extra time, extra time. There were, there were some more chances, a little bit more exciting back and forth. And then of course it was sent to penalties to decide the winner of MLS cup and, uh, New York city were able to pull out the win because of Sean Johnson, uh, saving two of the penalties. Steve Clark was not able to do the same. And Alexander Callens won the MLS Cup for New York City 4-2 on penalties. Yeah, and, and a big deal, obviously, their first MLS Cup. Um, there was a lot of hype in New York around this. You know, Madison Square Garden lit, was lit up blue. Empire State Building lit up blue. Joe Biden tweeted about it and whatnot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, big deal for New York. Congrats to them. You know, found a way to win. Um, and I think, you know, worthy winners, a, a, a good squad, obviously golden, golden boot winner, um, and they performed when it mattered. And, and that's kind of what the MLS Cup playoffs are all about. Um, you know, went into the one seed um, and the you know most successful regular season team of all time in New England, went into their house and took them down um, and, you know, and then did the same in Philadelphia, obviously a, de- a very depleted Philadelphia squad. But, you know, you can only play what's in front of you. And then they went into Portland and, and found a way to win that as well. Um, and obviously Atlanta at the beginning as well. So, you know, they, they didn't have a bye. They played all four games, and they found a way to win every single one of them. So fair play to, to New York. Yeah, obviously, you know, dramatic way for MLS Cup to end with that equalizer. Um, and then penalties, you know, can't ask for much more drama than that. So overall, you know, yeah, game was not the best in, until that first goal. And then you know, kind of dwindled a bit in, until Felipe Mora found that equalizer. But, um, yeah, solid MLS Cup final. And uh, that wraps up our MLS coverage for this season, Justin. And we won't be back talking about MLS, really, until... Um, until LAFC it, signs a coach, maybe? Oh, right. that That's true. That's true. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. That, that I think that would probably be... I still think it's funny. You told me the other day that 
odd makers have LAFC as favorites to win MLS Cup, which is just a bit ridiculous considering we literally don't know who LAFC's manager is going to be. We don't know if Vela is still going to be around. Like, I, I don't understand that at all. It's very confusing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fairly sure Vela's staying at this point, but yes, it's it hasn't been announced, not fully determined. And then, yeah, it doesn't make sense. LAFC, Seattle, and New England are all tied for the favorites for MLS Cup next season. It makes no sense. I don't know why LAFC is in the conversation with those other two. It doesn't really make sense. No, and also, like, even, even if Vela is staying, right, he doesn't play because he's just <laughs> always injured. So <laughs> I don't think it makes that much of a difference other than how much money you have to go spend on new players with Atuesta leaving and whatnot. So, I mean, we'll see. But I think putting them in the same, like at the same level as Seattle and New England is just a bit ridiculous, personally. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, there's there's talk about supposedly a new big signing, whether it be a DP or somewhere of that level, is supposed to be a a large signing coming for LFC in the offseason. But we will see. We will see. Yeah, but luckily we don't have to wait that long until MLS is back because... Um, they have moved up the beginning of the season. We're now starting at the end of February, um, kind of making way for the fact that we do have the World Cup in November next year, which I don't think we need to talk about how idiotic that is. But uh, No, but we might need to talk about this bi- bicentennial, whatever you oh, call that, it. Oh, but it, there's no way that's happening, right? There's no way. I hope not. There's I, no way. Well, here's the point. The the whole argument is, oh, the youth want it, the youth want it. Well, I'll tell you, there's two youth sitting here right now. We don't want it. <laughs> hey, we're adults now, Justin. All right. Well, <laughs> we're still young football fans. Yeah, no, no. It that that would be so stupid. Like, there's they can't do that. They're already, you know, like players are already getting run into the ground all the time, and like, there's just no way the players are going to stand for that. There's no way. Man, the football world is going to stand. It, it kind of feels like a super league kind of thing to me, where even yeah. if that somehow does, you know, get passed, quote unquote, passed in you know FIFA legislation and whatnot, like the uprising against that will be too powerful for them to quell, in my opinion. But I, I don't even think it's going to get that far, personally. Um, obviously, same thing was said about the super league. You know, money drives a lot of people, but it is what it is. Yeah, and. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think that we need that. I've talked to probably 15 or 20 fans who are under the age of 25 who none of them want this. Um, And we can see the FA um, is on the other side of this. When they're scrapping third and fourth uh, round replays for the FA Cup, that is a step in the right direction, making fewer games that are unnecessary to play rather than more. Yeah, no, replays replays should be a thing in the past with the amount of competitions we have. And the amount of minutes that players are playing and, you know, injuries are ever more present. Um, yeah. Replays, you know, that is a step in the right direction. Bicentennial World Cup, absolutely not. Um, and with that, Justin, I think we will move into some English discussion. Looking back at the Premier League, we've had games coming thick and fast during this festive season. You know, midweek games, weekend games. For those that haven't been canceled. For those that haven't been canceled, that's true. COVID back on the rise. Omicron variant scaring us. But uh, this episode should be a time for us to not be worrying about that. So instead, let's talk about the games <laughs> that did happen. Um, obviously, there's a lot of them. So we're not going to be covering every single one. But we'll go back to match day 16 because uh, match day or match week 15 was the last one that we talked about um, in, in our previous episode. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of games in this. Not many notable results. 
Um, but I think the probably the most exciting game that did occur was at Stamford Bridge, Justin. It was Chelsea taking on Leeds United. Uh, obviously, Leeds have been in a, a, just a abysmal run of form, basically, to start this whole season. They're playing so, so poorly, you know, find themselves in 16th, which I think is significantly lower than pretty much everyone thought they would be in. Definitely second second season syndrome for Marcelo Bielsa and his men. But they put up quite a fight at Stamford Bridge, didn't they? They did. They did. It was it was a really good game, honestly, um, with Al- Alonso giving away that penalty early on to Rafinha. Um, he buried it with the he, – he had to imitate the Jorginho penalty at Sanford Bridge yeah. right in front of Jorginho. Jorginho, unfortunately, though, said anything you can do, I can yeah, do better. Yeah, he would get the last laugh. He, yeah, and put two penalties in himself to yeah. win the game for But Chelsea. before that, Mason Mount had, had a nice finish from the left side on his weak foot. He's been, you know, finding the back of the net a bit more recently, right? He scored that that lovely finish against West Ham that we talked about uh, in the last episode. Yep. And so he found an equalizer. Um, but then it almost seemed as if Leeds had won it in the 83rd minute. It was Joe Gelhart, the the youth product. Equalizer. Who, yeah. Oh, oh, no, you're right. Yeah. Jorginho scored the first penalty before that. My bad. Yeah. So it seemed that Leeds were going to find a point, right? Jorginho, there was another penalty. So there were three penalties in this game. Yep. Um, th- that second one from Jorginho was it was a tackle from Rafinha on Rudiger, I believe, um, and I-, I think that was it was a initially not called a penalty. Uh, VAR overturned it. I think that was the correct decision. Jorginho buried it in the t- in the top left corner, and then it seemed Leeds had equalized. It was Joe Gelhard, as I just said, right off the bench, right off the bench, time. and and sliding in to to meet a, a low cross, and I think it nutmegged Mendy actually. Um, and, and, you know, it seemed Leeds, against all odds, considering they've been so poor, and Chelsea, you know, towards the top of the table, obviously they've been slumping a little bit recently, but it seemed Leeds were going to steal a point, um, but then it was another penalty, um, and Jorginho again buried it, um, and it was a big 3-2 win for Chelsea. They really needed that, because if you look at the table right now, obviously they would drop points against Everton later on. We'll discuss that in a minute. But, I mean, if you take away another two points... Um, they'd be on 36. They'd be eight points off City right now, which would be, you know, that's quite a gap to, to overcome, even though we've only played 18 games this season. But, you know, we're almost at the midway point. But that would just be, you know, a big gap for them to overcome, especially with Liverpool sitting right in the middle as well. So I think that was, it was definitely big for them to get that 94th minute winner from Jorginho. Yeah, definitely was, um, especially in, you know, the run of form that they've been in, because as you say, um, they, Drew with Everton afterwards and had uh, lost to West Ham previously three two, um, so these past three games you know hasn't been the form that Chelsea need to be in to you know title challenge. No, definitely not. Um, so that is that, and, and with that we can move on to the, the Chelsea Everton game. Um, yeah, because that also was an interesting one where. Chelsea should have gotten the win, probably. They had a ton of chances, 23 shots, 10 of them on target, 80% possession. Um, it's a complete domination from Chelsea in the game. However, they couldn't finish their chances. There were continually chances um, throughout the game, early on, late on, didn't matter, but they weren't able to finish. I mean, get this, Justin. The XG from this game was 3.47 for Chelsea to Everton's 0.54. And the game ended 1-1. And that just shows how wasteful Chelsea were. They had opportunities to win this game. Uh, they had more than enough opportunities to win this game. 
Um, and, and they did eventually take one um, through, yet again, Mason Mount. As I said, he's been very prolific recently. Yes. Um, and so that was, you know, another goal here from him. He's been honestly kind of carrying Chelsea at the moment. Um, but they should have had much, much more. And obviously no Lukaku, no Werner, Pulisic playing the nine. And we love Pulisic, but I wouldn't say he's the most clinical of players. Like That's not exactly who I'd be relying on to break down a low block playing as a number nine. Yeah, because just, that's not his position. It's just right. not where he plays. You no. put him in the 10, you allow him to get on the ball deeper and run at defenders. And create chances. But, uh, uh, you know, trying to play through a low block and have him, you know, your the... You know, spearhead of your attack in the box, especially when we have Michael Keane and Jared Branthwaite and Chelsea were putting in a lot of crosses, to be fair, and those aren't going to work when Pulisic is your number nine and we have tall center backs at the back, right? You know, not going to happen. Um, but Chelsea were wasteful, and then Everton took advantage. We took advantage when, when we needed to. Um, it was just a cheap free kick on, on the left wing on, on a counterattack. Um, and then Anthony Gordon just whips in a, a beautiful ball. Sensational. Jared Branthwaite there on the back post, left completely unmarked. We think it was Saul was the, who was supposed to be yeah. marking him. He has not been impressive in, in a Chelsea kit so far this season. It's an understatement. Yeah. I'm honestly kind of surprised he's still getting selected. Um, I, I Even at this point, I'd, I'd put, you know... Ross Barkley on the pitch before I'd put Saul on because I mean actually they well, were both be, on the to pitch. To be fair, but. he was on off the bench on the, in this game. Yes, but still like still he shouldn't be getting minutes. You know, there's there's yeah, there I mean been. for for let me just compare this real quick. And Golo Conte stayed on the bench in this game. You're right. And Saul came on instead. Right. And Ross Barkley also came on. So like I don't know. Like I I just don't really get that, especially when, you know, in this formation they're only playing with two center mids. So I just don't understand how Saul's getting minutes, really, because he's been so, so bad. Anyway, point is, Jared Branthwaite sneaks in at the back post, outstretched leg, outstretched leg. I think it was actually a more difficult finish than people are giving him credit for, but manages to find the corner, kind of bounces it up into the corner. Uh, Mendy didn't really have a chance, placed very well, um, and Everton managed to, I mean, I think it, it very... I'm confident in saying that this was a shit house. Oh. We got we got a point that we did not deserve. Um, but you know, it was a good fight from us. Obviously, we are also very depleted. You know, no Cal- no so. Calvert Lewin, no Richarlison, no Damari Gray in this game. Still managed to get a point away at Sanford Bridge. I cannot complain whatsoever, especially when we have Ellis Sims starting up top, and then you know, U23 players in Dobbin and Onyango coming off the bench like. When I saw the the lineup, I you can see I tweeted. I said, "Oh, it's going to be seven nil." Was my reaction as well? Yeah, um, but it was not. It wasn't, uh, and I'm happy about it. No, well, as you say, that was my reaction as well. I expected five nil plus when I saw the lineups come out, um, but that wasn't the case. And there's a lot of talk about oh, Everton played really badly. They you know, nineteen percent possession. These type of things where there was really they weren't even in the game. It was just sitting in a low block um, for basically the entire ninety minutes. And I, I get the I get why people don't like that. I get why there's criticism of that. But in my opinion, Everton played well, pretty pretty well. Not like fantastic, obviously, but that's that's what they came in to do. You say it was a shite house, but that's it's true. But that's what they came in to do. Well, that was the only chance that we had. Exactly. Right. We we if we didn't 
tried to shithouse it, we're getting destroyed. Exactly. So when Everton have that gameplay and they come in, they execute that gameplay and they come out with a point, that is success from Everton. No, 100%. Especially off the back of what was it just a demoralizing performance at Selhurst Park. Just awful defending, letting Connor Gallagher use us as a rag doll, right? <laughs> Chelsea Loney. I guess Chelsea could have used him in this game. For real, that's what a goal he scored against. He's you, by much the way. better than Saul and Ross Barkley. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, but I, I just, I, I don't think that criticism of Everton here is necessary. I think it's, I think it's what Everton would have wanted and are very happy with that result as they should be. And then uh, one more game from Match Day 17 that I just want to quickly talk about is Liverpool finding a 3-1 win against Newcastle. Just want to mention this because that strike from Trent Alexander-Arnold, my word, oh, yeah. just absolutely blasted it into the top corner. And then um, obviously um, in, in uh, the, the same actually City, in that 7-0 City Leeds win, which is what we'll talk about right now, um, there was another absolute pile driver this time from Kevin De Bruyne and I I mean Justin we can't even describe all these goals because there was way too many because 7-0 <laughs> I mean we talked about Leeds being in poor form um and and this kind of just compounded that because this was after that Chelsea game right so they so they blow that that you know they thought they had found the equalizer right. at Stamford Bridge and, and then blow it in the 94th minute give Jorginho another penalty and then they go to the Etihad and they just get absolutely blown back by Pep Guardiola's men. Um, talk to us about this. Just It's just really just an exhibition of attacking football. Absolutely. It, it uh, ties Leeds' biggest loss um, in top flight history, I believe. Uh, it it was, yeah, really just domination. But it, it's what I admire about Bielsa. A lot of people hate this about Bielsa, but I admire it. He will never change the way that he plays. He will always play the same um, open style of football. That he loves, and it, it can end 7-0 when you're playing a team as good as Man City. Yeah. And that's the problem with it. Um, but, yeah, I, which it was also his biggest loss in his managerial career, 7-0. Um, but, yeah, I think, like I was saying about uh, Everton, people were saying Everton played badly. In my opinion, it was Chelsea that were playing badly, and Everton played well uh, and, and were able to find that draw here. It was everyone was saying Leeds were so horrible, and which was true. They weren't great, but it was also City were in per, in, in top form, um, finishing basically every chance. It was really uh, one of those where you're just sitting there saying, "Give me another one, give me another one, give me another one." Um, it, it it could have been ten. It it was uh, really just a very very fun game to watch. Thirty one shots, fifteen on target. When have you last heard numbers like that? I don't know. But at the same time, Justin, a lot of the chances that City scored were not, you know, super high percentage chances. You look at the XG, 2.78 for City, Leeds 0.22, right? Like, they, they didn't really offer anything in this game. Right. City completely dominated it. But at the same time, um, you know, that's 2.78, seven goals from that. And that just shows kind of the quality of finishes that we were seeing here. You know, De Bruyne obviously... Um, Riyad Mahrez with a nice goal. Two headers from center backs in, in the 74th and 78th minute from Stones and Ake, respectively. Um, so, you know, it, it could have been 10, but that's just because how good City were in, in the final third in this game, when in reality it could have been, you know, 2-3-0 very realistically instead of 7. So I think the scoreline flatters City, but at the same time, it also just shows the quality that they have in the final third and how you really can't afford to give this team chances 
because they will punish you. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as, as you say, it could have been it could have been four, it could have been ten. So it could have plus plus or minus three either way, which shows that this is probably the right result. Probably somewhere in that five to seven area is is what it should happen because everything uh, you watch the game, you look at the stats, everything was domination, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's not a, not a scoreline you want to be on the other end of uh, for sure for Leeds. Um, and with that, we can move on to this week where Leeds uh, took on ho- Arsenal. Yeah, they hosted Arsenal at Ellen Road um, and, again, took took the L. Um, this, yeah, man, it's just the poor run continues. Yeah, well, this this game, the story was Gabriel Martinelli Yeah, uh, with his two goals, um, the second of which was really nice. But, yeah, I mean... I don't know what to say about Leeds. It's another Rafinha penalty is the only reason they got on the score sheet at all. Helped my FPL team. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it was it was pointless. I mean, Arsenal were up 3-0 at that point anyway. So 12 it's... shots on target to two. And that's at home. And here's the thing is that Arsenal have been very poor on the road this season. They've been good at the Emirates. But look at this stat. Arsenal's net XG difference this season at home, they are... Plus 10.45. Away, they are minus 10.53. Wow. So that shows how, how just the disparity between their home form and their away form. So the fact that Leeds are hosting, you know, they needed a result in this game to bounce back. They just got absolutely hammered by City. They needed to come back uh, and, and, and find a way to get at least a point from this game against a team who have been very poor on the road this season, right? They've been very poor. And they got hammered. And, you know, Leeds, their XG was 1.47. Obviously, that's bullshit by the penalty. So, you know, they could have scored another goal potentially. But 12 shots on target to two at home in front of your fans after getting destroyed last week at the Etihad. And then you, like, that's just unacceptable, man. It's just not good enough. And the thing is, is normally, the way the way we're talking about Leeds, we would say, this is a relegation side. They're getting relegated. But the thing is, is that... And, and I tweeted this. There are so many bad teams in the Premier League this season <laughs> yeah. that Leeds will not get relegated. And I, I don't even think it'll be that big of a, an issue. Right now, they're five points uh, out of the relegation zone. Granted, that's a, a few games in hand. But regardless, I just I don't even see Leeds getting... Or a few rele- extra games played, rather. The, yes, the relegation... Yes. The current relegation sides have to have a couple uh, games in hand on Leeds. Actually, Burnley have three games in hand right. on Leeds. So, I mean, by the time Burnley play those games, um, Leeds could find themselves right next to Watford there. But the thing is, Burnley have Everton, ourselves on Boxing Day, and then United. And then, actually, they will be playing Leeds on January 2nd. That'll be a good game. That's going to be a very interesting game. Um, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's two lower sides, one of them who plays very open, one of them who plays a very defensive sit-back style, so it'll be uh, interesting to see how that how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, the way that Leeds play this open style, they're going to be able to score goals, they're going to actually be able to get a few three points out of it, and they're not really going to have to worry about relegation that much when they probably should, should be. They should be having to worry about it in the form that they're in, but like I say, because there's so many poor teams this season, um, it, it, it won't be an issue for them, I think. Yeah, I agree. And then let's talk about City again real quick. Uh, going to, to St. James's Park. 11-0 in two games aggregate. Yeah, an- another just resounding victory. Um, it was Ruben Diaz opened the scoring in the fifth minute from some just 
criminal defending by Newcastle. Just <laughs> shockingly bad. It was a ball over the top, comes through to Cancelo. The, the ball had a bit too much weight on it. So Cancelo really struggled to keep it in, managed to, and he floats it. Just, it, I mean, really Dubrovka should just catch it. But Dubrovka and I think, um, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Kieran Clark, yes, who was right there and just neither of them went for it. And then it just comes through and Diaz just says thank you and just heads it in. Like just, I mean, shocking, shocking elementary mistake there. But I mean, it wouldn't matter because City were just so far superior in this game. Yet again, 72% possession, seven shots on target to one. And then Jao Cancelo, who had that assist, would score just a brilliant goal, puts a defender on his ass and then bangs it in the back of the net. Phenomenal finish. Yeah, unbelievable goal that I... It's one of those where he he dekes around one guy, puts another guy on the floor, and then you're just sitting there saying, shoot, bang this in. If you could bang this in, it would be sensational. And he does it from about 20 yards out, puts it in the top corner, and just, wow, uh, what a goal from Jao Cancelo, showing he is the best fullback in the world right now. 100%. There should not be a debate about nope. it. Because um, he, I mean, he can do everything, man. He can defend. You can play. You can play in midfield. You could put him at the number ten if you wanted. Seriously, if you didn't have Kevin De Bruyne and Foden and Grealish and all these other playmakers in this team, Bernardo Silva. Like, if if Jao Cancelo plays for Everton, he's playing number ten. That's a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. Put him in over Alex Awobi every single day, please. Put oh, him at, like he would be the number ten at Everton. I'm just saying that. It's just hilarious. It shows just how well rounded of a player he is. Um, I don't know. He kind of gives me like Joshua Kimmich vibes, you know, where you can just kind of put him anywhere you want and he's going to play well because he's just that good of a player. Absolutely. When Jack Grealish arrived at City, he had an interview in which he was asked, who impressed you the most in, in training? Technically, they're just an ability. He said, Jao Cancelo. This man is unbelievable technically. He, the, the way that he plays in tight spaces, in, in you know, little training pitches is, is sensational, as Jack says. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's showing. Yeah, I mean, when he arrived from Juve, right, that kind of swap deal plus money with Danilo. and, and Danilo there, and a there pack was, of Skittles for him? Yeah, I love right? It. I mean, it, it, it looks like, I mean, obviously it was daylight robbery Absolutely. is what it was. And and I thought that when it happened. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is one of the most informed fullbacks. And, but it took him a little while to settle in, right? Sure did. You know, wasn't extremely impressive in his first, you know, season and a half or so. But then back end of last season – and, and now this season, he's just come into his own um, in this system. You know, he has a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom, and he's taking full advantage of it. And, yeah, I mean, best fullback in the world right now, 100%. And Whether on the left or the right. No, and, and I mean, but the thing is, he's playing fullback, but he's not really playing fullback. Right, cause... because it's, if he's on the left, he has Kyle Walker on his right. Who is who is there with the pace to cut, recover him? He's always there. It's it's like you know Kyle Walker plays often in a three back with in, in England, and so he has that ability to just shift into that center back position. Yeah, uh, and and cover and do, as you say, he gives Jao Cancelo the freedom, or he goes on the right when Kyle Walker was out, like in this game against Newcastle, and then you have Zinchenko, who's also mainly a defender. Granted, he plays midfield for Ukraine, but he's a very good defender one on one, and so he can he can. Uh, fill in that position as well and give Jao Cancelo the freedom, which allowed him to get, obviously, a goal and assist in this game. Also, City has so much possession that, like, you know, he, he has a lot more creative responsibility than he does defensive responsibility, I'd argue. And and so I'm just saying, like, regardless of the whole best fullback in the world, even though he's... I wouldn't say he's Trent-like in terms of that he's not really a fullback, because I, I will stand by the fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold is not a fullback. I don't care. <laughs> he's a winger, okay? 
he can't defend. He's a winger. He so, definitely but the thing is that Jao Cancelo overall is one of the most, most informed players in the world right now, regardless of position. Um, and that continued in this game, obviously. And then Riyad Mahrez made it three um, in the second half. Just a, a ball over the top and, and just a you know really lovely first-time finish into Fantastic the corner. Fantastic ball from Zinchenko it was. Yeah, curling. It, I, I, there were a few people who thought it was Kevin De Bruyne. One, because obviously... <laughs> I mean, he looks just like him, but yeah, the, ball yeah. was, the ball was De Bruyne-esque. I mean, curled it right into the pass of Mahrez. Absolutely perfect ball. Mahrez just clinical uh, volley. Also might think it's De Bruyne because he has, you know, that five-star weak foot. Exactly. So even though Zinchenko's got it on the left exactly. like that, you can obviously, you can easily see uh, Kevin De Bruyne whipping in a ball like that on his left foot. And then the cherry on top, Raheem Sterling tap in um, and, you know, another resounding result from City who uh, confirm themselves as top spot uh, Raheem in the Sterling, league. Sterling, top of the league. On Christmas um, with, with that big victory. And then they have Leicester um, on Boxing Day, that that'll be a very interesting game, Justin. But moving on to one of the other fixtures, so then one of their title rivals, exactly. Chelsea, dropping points again. again. This time it's at the Molyneux um, against Wolves, and this game ends nil nil. There were two shots on target in this entire game, Justin. Oh, Absolute snooze fest. Um, Tell and me about it. I watched the whole thing. That's that's a sh- well. I mean, I guess it would still be relatively enjoyable for you, considering that you wanted Chelsea to drop points here. But, Certainly did. Um, sitting there watching nothing happen for ninety minutes is pretty boring. <laughs> that's fair. But at least the nothing that happened was good for you. But I mean, looking at the xG in this game, Wolves point three six to Chelsea point six nine snooze fest. And and that's become the way that Wolves have played this year. Under Bruno Lodge, I mean, it's defensive. It's not scoring very many goals. It's if we can keep a clean sheet, maybe we'll win one nil. That that's been the way that they've been playing the entire season, and it's worked pretty well for them, to be honest. I mean, I think that in they're probably the team going most under the radar for their uh, impressive season so far, um, because you know obviously West Ham is getting a lot of uh, credit for that. Um, people understand, but. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Bruno Lodge has been done very well. I think Jose Saw is probably one of the most underrated players in the Premier League this season. He's been really, really good. Um, and, and so that's the way that Wolves have been able to pick up points, and they did it once again um, at the Molineux against somebody who's supposedly a title rival and, and continues to drop points um, and is then six points off of uh, City in first. And then we move on to the other title rival, uh, Liverpool, who played Tottenham Hotspur at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What a game this was. Oh, fantastic game. This is this is what you want in a yeah, top the, the six po- match. The polar opposite of that game at the Molyneux. Yeah, right? literally. Um, no, it was, I, I mean, this is what you want and expect when you get a top six matchup. It maybe hasn't been that way recently because it's essentially been a top three and kind of those other three are yeah. I also wouldn't over. put Spurs in the top six right now, but well, we're talking okay. Big six, we're talking yeah, okay. Fair. This is what you want. I mean, they are in seventh. To be fair, that's actually higher than I thought they were. And with that, but. that's with games in hand. Don't forget. Okay. Wow. Um, but yes, they um, they they it, it was Harry Kane. It was Harry Kane who finally got on the score sheet for Tottenham Hotspur. Feels like it's been forever, man. It, it has only a second game, his second goal in the Premier League this season. Um, uh, but it was it was a clinical finish on a really nice through ball from, I believe it was Ndombele. Um, and, and, yeah, clinical finish. What you would expect Harry Kane to do or what he hasn't been doing for this season. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he, he got that. And it was Diogo Jato with the response in the 35th minute. 
He just continues to score, it seems. It's a really good header, wasn't it? Yeah. He, his aerial prowess for somebody who's not that tall is really impressive, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's more. It's just the technique. He has it down, right? I mean, if it, it wasn't contested. Like, he was pretty right. much unmarked. So if you put a man on him, like, he's not going to be leaping above people. But when he does have the chance to head it, you know, the technique is very good. And he found the corner on that one. Hugo Lloris, no chance of, of saving that. Absolutely not. Um, and then it was Andy Robertson who gave Liverpool a 2-1 lead. I mean, the story of this was when Liverpool were up 2-1, I was fuming because Spurs had so many chances so in many. this game. So many chances, and they blew them. And then, uh, you know, Liverpool punished them. Andy Robertson, um, and this would be far from the last thing regarding Andy Robertson <laughs> oh, in yeah. this game. Um, so so he scored. We're not done uh, with Harry Kane either. To, yeah, that's true. To make it two one. Well, the Harry Kane incident happened. Like we we should we can go back and talk about yeah. that because that was in the first half, was it not? Yeah, it was. It yeah, it was certainly before the uh, the the Robertson goal, and it was it was a tackle on Robertson, right? It was yeah. It was Harry Kane coming into uh, Andy Robertson, and the studs were up. It was on his calf. It was sliding. It was reckless. Um, and it was a yellow card. Ultimately, I personally can't agree with this decision. I think it was. Cl- I think it was red. Uh, the the explanation that has been given is well, his his foot wasn't in the ground, so it wasn't. Which that that makes absolutely no sense to me. If his foot's in the ground, hits a broken leg. Andy Robertson's done for the yeah, season. Yeah, I, I think Kane. I think the only reason that he didn't get sent off is that he got lucky that the contact itself was luckily not that strong. Like, he got lucky that he didn't hit him harder. Like, you know, he kind of hit the side of him and didn't get full-on contact. Only because but Robertson it, jumped right. out of the way. It doesn't change the fact that it should be a red card. It doesn't change the fact, you know, you don't need to actually injure somebody for it to be a red because that could have very easily injured him, right? Uh, but, you know, there was so there was a lot of argument about that. Kane didn't get sent off. And then Andy Robertson, after scoring, he did get sent off. For a challenge on, I believe it was Aurier. Well, um, first, Son scored. Oh, no, it was on Emerson, rather. Aurier doesn't play for them anymore. <laughs> it no, was on Emerson. Um, but I also think that's a red card because, I mean... Robertson? People, yeah, I think certainly, it, I think it was yeah. as well. Well, I mean, there were a lot of people arguing that it wasn't. And they were saying, oh, Robertson got sent off and Kane did him when it should have been the other way around. But no, I mean, you look at the I laws of the game, yeah. red card offenses, excessive force... He's a, a foot away from the touchline, right? Ball's right there, and he comes barreling in and hits him full speed, huge hack into the legs, completely unnecessary. If that isn't excessive force, I don't know what is. Yeah, and that's and that's what it was sent off for for Robertson was excessive force because it wasn't like his studs were up. It wasn't like he was you know it, it sliding to the ground in in a dangerous manner. He was trying to make a slide tackle. It was just that he no, it wasn't even a slide tackle. He just came in. He was standing completely straight up. Well, and Kimmy fell through to him. the ground. But yeah, it's. Yeah, it's just... It was reckless, and it was completely unnecessary, and he really didn't need to, to like, literally, the ball is one foot away yeah. from the touchline. He can just tap it out of bounds if he wants it, but instead he comes in full speed, completely takes out Emerson. Like, I agree, it was a red card, excessive force. Um, and, and then Hyungman's son... Well, it was actually, prior, yeah. Yeah, actually, right before that, Hyungman's son found the equalizer. It was, a, it was a gift from Allison, who just completely missed the ball, and then and then Hyungman's son just taps it into an empty net. Yeah, not sure um, what else. But honestly, I think right. it was some deserved luck, considering the amount of chances that Tottenham had in this game and didn't take. And there was a lot of talk about Deli Alley, right? Um, so, obviously, that was 
Um, that, that red card was the last thing that would happen basically in this game. So it ends 2-2. A lot of talk about Deli Ali because some people were saying, oh, you know, he got into great positions and he looked more like himself than he has for years and years. But Meanwhile, I, I'm getting texts from you saying, Deli Ali's terrible. He was so... He was unbelievably wasteful. And the only reason that Spurs didn't win this game is because of Deli Ali. Not only did he miss two just golden opportunities... Um, he also had literally the easiest pass to Kane for oh, a yeah. tap-in, uh-huh. and he completely scuffs it, and Allison easily grabs it. He hit it with his purse. When <laughs> if, he had, if he had gotten any clean contact on this, it's Harry Kane's tapping this ball into an empty net. Absolutely. And so people were saying, oh, he got into good positions, whatever. But you can't be a player at this kind of level and be that wasteful with opportunities and, you know, it ends up costing Spurs two points. And so I will stand by the fact, and my friend Patrick, who um, was texting me during the game as well, he's a Spurs fan, and he was so sick of Deli Alley by the end of this game. <laughs> so, you know, his, his opinion, you know, from a Spurs fan, he was also just completely upset at how unbelievably wasteful he was. And, you know, I, I really stand by the fact that Spurs would have won this game if Deli Alley didn't mess up so often in the final third. It's just not good enough from him. At all, in my opinion. So, but if if Lacelso starts, let's say, do they does does Spurs win the game with Lacelso on the? I pitch? think so. I think Lacelso. There were three. Those are three goals that should have been there. I think Lacelso takes gets one of them, either two of the shots, or I don't think he messes up. But that does pass he get in Kane. those positions though? That's the point. Because uh, to me, it was this. I I thought I'm kind of in the middle because I saw a lot of praise for Deli Ali all over Twitter, all over social media. People were saying Deli Ali played a great game, and meanwhile, I'm getting texts from Garrett saying oh, Deli Ali's horrible. He's the worst player on He's the pitch. Washed. He's washed. He's <laughs> washed. And and to me, it was it was in the middle because. It really is. He's getting great positions, but he's not clinical. He's that final pass, that final shot wasn't there clearly this entire game for him. But he was driving forward, driving with the ball, carrying, creating chances, opening up space, making runs, these type of things that are still important in the game, but you obviously have to get that final touch for it to really matter. Yeah, none of it mattered. None of it mattered. That's because him. he because he would get in that position and then just screw it up. Yeah. And so, you know, like LaCelso, I say, isn't quite a, a straight comparison because he's not, like, as attacking right. as Deli Ali is. Yeah. But it, I, it just makes me think, like, Spurs need to get a, another number. Like, they need to get a number 10 or they need to develop Brian Hill. Obviously, very young player, Brian Hill is. But they need someone to support Kane and Son because they need that you know, like that third man run there because you know defenders are so focused on where Kane and Son are because you can't leave them free right that there is space for that third man to be coming in but when it's Deli Alley he just screws it up every time well, so they need someone better th- that's supposed to be in Dombele is it not I mean he he's the guy that they paid a ton of money for he's the guy that they brought in to be that to be that difference maker. Yeah, but he's also a bit more on the LaCelso side, like a little bit more box-to-box. Like, he's more of a, a progressive midfielder in my eyes, you know. Carries the ball forward and then finds the ball for Kane and Son. He's not the one bursting in behind and making those No, runs. but at the, well, if we're talking about at the time, I mean, the ball he played for Kane for that first goal was fantastic. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> right? So, but that's not, he's not the one ending up, you know, in the box taking right. the shot. Who's, right. you know, potentially going to be scoring. Like, when he scores, it's usually from outside the box. And he's had some really nice finishes this season, but that's why I just think Spurs need to be looking for um, for a, a quality number ten. Um, you know who who can find the net really is what it is. And just finishing up on this game because we've been talking about it for a minute, but yeah, I, I mean this to me this was the first real glimpse we got at Conte Ball. 
uh, for Spurs. Yeah. That that's what it seemed to me because Spurs were very like early on to start this game. Spurs were all over Liverpool. They could have been up three nil in the first fifteen or twenty minutes. Easily. It was all over them on the counter attack, um, and just creating chances. But yeah, and so so that's what I so I I, I hope that we can see the Spurs. I when Conte came, I expected him to you know change Spurs for sure, um, and it seems like he's already doing that. I hope that we can can continue to see that uh, play out. I mean, yeah, just quickly before we move on, the X tree was 2.62 for Spurs to Liverpool 1.5. So, um, yeah, I think Spurs should have won this game, and Deli Ali is the reason they didn't. So, <laughs> with that, Justin, um, I think so that, that wraps us up for, for match week 18 then. Um, and then we have obviously some great Boxing Day fixtures coming up. We have Liverpool versus Leeds, who will be very interesting. City, Leicester, Spurs, who we just talked about. Um, up in a London rival, a London derby rather right. a, against Palace, um, and yeah, so should be we heard some of, good games. Yeah, we and we and we have confirmation from the Premier League that these games will go on, um, despite the coronavirus and the Omicron. But uh, so so we will see. But Boxing Day will will go on as planned, um, which is good. And then we can we can move on to we posted on Twitter for you guys to throw us some questions. So follow us, go follow us. Yeah, go follow us at u ninety football on Twitter. Um, and yeah, we we will go through all these questions. We got a, a few questions from from some friends on Twitter, um, and we're, we'll be happy to answer them. The first one I think we're gonna get a hot take from Garrett. Maybe is is we have from uh, from Cityzilla on Twitter. One of a, a good friend of the podcast. Good friend who, who provided us a few questions that we'll get through. Uh, the first one is, take, Jamie Vardy is the Premier League striker of the season so far. Garrett, what do you say? Yeah, I have a bit of a hot take for this one. I'd say right now, Jamie Vardy is the best striker in the Premier League right now. But that is kind of also on his pedigree, right? Former Golden Boot winner, you know, just been doing it consistently for five, six seasons now. Give him a Red Bull and he's ready. <laughs> really? Seriously. But I think so far, for me, it's got to be Emmanuel Dennis. Seven goals and five assists, playing for a relegation-threatened squad. You know, been a, just a real spark of life for them. I mean, seven goals, five assists. If you told Watford fans that at the beginning of the season, as his entire campaign, I think they would be happy with that, right? <laughs> Obviously, a player who they, who they signed this summer. But he's been sensational, not only scoring the goals, but also assisting. And, and so, for me, yes, Jamie Vardy, nine goals. Um, but he only has one assist. And, and, you know, Lester have been relatively inconsistent. Vardy's been kind of scoring in, in, in flashes. He's been a bit streaky, right? So he'll score quite a few games in a row, and then he won't score for a little bit. Where Dennis, I think, has just been really consistently scoring and assisting um, for Watford. I mean, 12 goal contributions for a team sitting in 17th, I just think is really impressive thus far. And um, so I, I'm going for Emmanuel Dennis. Justin, what about yourself? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think that, well, obviously, first of all, you have to just mention, we're, we're not considering Salah a striker. We're considering no, him a yeah. winger because, yeah, obviously he would be the striker of the season if you considered him that way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think Dennis is a great argument. I get it because, you know, I think everybody thought that it would be Ismail Asar, the one carrying Watford uh, this season, and he's been their third best player. It's been Dennis and King. And Car Josh King, yeah, yeah. Josh King, who himself has five goals and two assists. Yeah, I mean, obviously three of those goals and one of the assists was against us because Everton in it, so. <laughs> Has to be. Right, um, Com comes to against his former club, never got a chance 
with us. Ancelotti literally never started him after signing him in January. Then he comes back and has a hat trick and an assist at Goodison Park. I mean, you couldn't write it, but but yeah, I mean, while Leicester are in are in ninth place and Watford are sitting in seventeenth. Um, it's only is what goals for is what six difference. It's not like well Watford are Watford are, are not wolves. They're a team who's going to score goals and hopefully not concede more. Um, whereas you know we were talking about wolves earlier are trying to just pr- uh, keep clean sheets to to gain points. But yeah. Watford have been able to score goals. They haven't been shut out that many times this season. A few for sure, um, as you would expect with a team in seventeenth place. But um, but yeah. I think I, I will agree with Zilla. I think it is Jamie Vardy, um, just because as a, as a striker, your goal, your your job is to store, score the goals, be clinical, and I think Jamie Vardy has done that. He's also, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't played every game. He's had a few uh, uh, injury injured games where he uh, wasn't in there. But uh, regardless, I think, or I could be wrong actually. There, yeah, he they both have 15 matches played, so. Uh, so yeah, he he does have the same number of matches played, but yeah, more goals and fewer matches. I understand he's on a better team. I think that the thing is is that Emmanuel Dennis is surprising everyone, um, and so he's definitely the surprise striker of the season um, and, and the most impressive, most improved, whatever you call it, things like that. Um, Which that takes us into the next question, really, because Zill also asks what players have surprised you so far. So obviously Emmanuel Dennis, but let's try to pick some players other than him. I'd I'd, agree, I'd say he is the surprise package of the season thus far, but there are a couple there's, others. There's, there's one other, and it's the one we've talked about continuously on yeah. this podcast. I, 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 I wasn't going to – I was waiting for you to say it. You say it. <laughs> it's Damari Gray. It has I mean, to be. It has I mean, to he's be. been Everton's best player, probably the only good player for Everton all season. He's uh, been – Yeah, probably. I mean – I can't think of I another. I mean, Richarlison's been pretty good. He's been injured. I mean, yeah, he's been injured, but when he's played, he's been good, right? He was sensational against Arsenal and, and should have had a hat trick. True, right? true. So, um, I mean, but, I mean, 1.7 million, I've talked about it a lot, and, you know, there's a lot of Everton as a club, as a fan base, are just not in a, in a good place right now. Obviously, Brands leaving, we talked about it, but now it's like, you know, we, we're probably going to have some money with FFP finally kind of loosening to, to spend some money in this January uh, window. And I'm just hoping that we can make some more signings like that, man, because 1.7... I mean, I, you know, urge you to find a a better value-for-money signing that happened this summer or even in the last couple years because other than Messi on a free, I don't know if you're going to find one. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, definitely not. It was an absolute steal for Everton. Um, granted, that's all they spent in the, tra- in the summer transfer yeah, window. Yeah, that's true, because then we had Townsend and Rondon all on freeze and whatnot. Exactly. Um, but let's oh, say so, so we had Gray, and then, so that'll be mine, Justin. You want to pick one one other one? Oh, well, that's, well, I mean, uh, you can add Josh King in there as well. Um, I, that's, a, that's a fair point. Yeah, I think, but I also think we can go the other way. Um, who surprised you? Uh, Pyramid Grimbamiang getting stripped of the captaincy, no okay. longer even in the Arsenal team. Well, yeah, but he's had d- disciplinary issues in the past. I'd say if we're going that way as well, then I'm going Harry Kane. Harry Kane? Because a lot of people had him as Golden Boot, you know, was uh, was great in the Euros, obviously, and, and then he's just fallen off a cliff. And I just have to say this real quick, Justin. This is a stat that will be interesting. So Harry Kane has two Premier League goals right yeah. now. So that is still one less than Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who hasn't played in two and a half months. So... <laughs> Uh, just take that into consideration. Hey, yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> and he may be back for Boxing Day. There's, so there's, a, there's a lot of center backs in the league who have as many goals as Harry Kane, so let's say that. But, yeah, I mean, you can say that about Lukaku as well, who's also been injured. Yeah, um, but Kane's been playing pretty much right. the whole season, so yeah. it's a bit different. Right, um, Sancho, you could say. 
obviously these are some newer signings though, so it's a little bit different because they're going to take some time. I know people will say against Grealish as much as I will disagree. Um, mm, I think he. I. I. Do you think he's been worth a hundred million though? Yet no. Well, no, but the, the <laughs> you don't spend hundred million for three months. You spend a hundred no, million but, for but the next five years. But if we're just looking at this snapshot. It's still, I think, he's been very underwhelming, well, I think in my that's, opinion. Well, I think that's the problem, is because everyone looks at it as, oh, is he worth $100 million? Is he worth $100 yeah, million? Yeah, well, it's because that's how much he spent on him. Well, <laughs> well, but we spent $100 million to have him for the next five years. I know, plus. obviously. And I, and I do agree that he'll he'll be better, but I think... In order to have been worth $100 million by now, he would have had to score three hat-tricks. Like, I, mean, it doesn't... I mean, yeah, but it's it doesn't change the fact that... So far, he has not been living up to that price tag. I well, see, that's what I'm saying. He hasn't. People think, oh, well, he hasn't scored goals, so he, you know, he only got his second goal uh, recently, and so that's that's where he's underperforming. But when you look at underlying statistics like chances created, he is near the top of the league um, in, in these in these categories in big chances created. He's uh, up up at the top. So it's not that he's not playing well. It's just that the the, the goals are not coming. The assists are not necessarily coming as much, um, which. Just have to change because that's how that's how it works. It's it's he his expected assists and expected goals are much higher than what uh, what he's receiving, so that has to change. Yeah, I think one other surprise player. Also, you mentioned him earlier, Jose Saw. Yes, right. A lot of people thought, oh, that's a massive down. Myself included, that's a downgrade from Patricio. Right. He's been better, to be honest. He's been better than Patricio was last season for sure. Meanwhile, and, Patricio's and not having the best season himself. No, no, over at Roma. Over, no, exactly. he's definitely not conceding six goals to random teams in the Conference League and whatnot. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think that we're more than thorough on that question. I think we got to add somebody from Arsenal. Add Whether it be Smith Rowe or Sokka or... I'm not really surprised about any of them, though, to be honest. Yeah. You could throw Inketia in there after scoring a hat-trick uh, against Sunderland yesterday, but, I mean, that's, Maybe I so. mean, that's one game, so I'm not... But yeah, well, I think I think Arteta would be the guy. He's not a player, but he would be surprising a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, that's fair. He's not surprising me though. I've been one to back him for the entire. I, t- I know you haven't. Well, it, it it makes me feel good because I, I know a lot. Of, most people haven't, and I've been backing him since the day he stepped uh, foot in, in, in slight, at the Emirates. Slight bias there. Slight. Oh, bias. certainly there's some bias, but it's not it's not just about because he was the second at City and he was behind Pep and he has that. Uh, no, because he's he's an Arsenal man through and through. There's no doubt about that. Um, but well, no. He played at Everton for longer than he played at Arsenal, and he was club captain at Everton. So, <laughs> all right, uh, he's he's, he's still, I still think of him as an Arsenal man, and I always will. But he, that's because that's where he was playing when you know, like at his peak. really when when we. Well, no, not at his peak. I'd say his peak was at Everton as well, man. That '04 season when he was you know playing the ten club captain led us to fourth place. I think that he was True. that was his peak, but. I mean, it was really that when when we started getting into the Premier League is Arte. It was kind of the twilight of Arteta's career. Like yeah. he was at Arsenal. You know, one was it two FA Cups with them, I think. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't always backed him, but and and even even three weeks ago, they were in a much worse position, and we were talking about how oh, I don't think he's the right man, whatnot. But they've won three in a row now, and they're you back go, up you, in the fourth place. You can go back and listen to any podcast though, and I it'll it'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, I, so then, but that leads into kind of the next question, which is. Who is your top four? This is from our friend Abby. Um, and he said, now that we're almost halfway through, what is your top four? Um, and so then the question really is, I think we all know, you know, it's just a question of order of the top three. Those, The top three is the top three, and that's not going to change. 
who is going to get that fourth spot, Justin, is really what this question is. And then obviously we can talk about, you know, who's going to win the title. I'm sure you're backing City. It's hard for me to, to stick on my Chelsea guns. I want to, but um, Thomas Tuchel is not doing a lot to inspire confidence in me recently. So I, I definitely be leaning towards, damn it, how are City doing this again? Because I don't really understand it. Um, until I watch them, obviously, but um, I just I, I'm a bit I am disappointed in Chelsea's recent run of form. But really, then, because I think we know that you're saying cities are going to win the title. Who's going to come in fourth? That's that's the big question now. Who's going to sneak into that last Champions League spot? If it's Arsenal, that's a big deal because they haven't been in the Champions League since well before. Uh, Arsene Wenger left so I mean it could be big for them but also you know West Ham still having a really good season they have a game in hand on Arsenal they're only four points back and then United with two games in hand um, behind them in sixth so if United win both their games in hand um, they'll they'll be in that fourth spot so um, you know who's gonna win it or who's gonna win that fourth spot Justin what's your prediction as of now well first uh, yes I I think City obviously I've been I've been backing them they're my yeah. team I since since the beginning of course um but yeah, I don't know. I think this it's it's this this Chelsea thing um, is interesting to me, and we can you know hit on this other question from Zilla as well. Is Chelsea's recent form going to continue, or is this a recent uh, short term bad patch? Um, and so, to me, it's it's not just a bad patch. I think this is Chelsea's uh, inability to finish is caught up to them. I think it's starting to show. I've been saying this for weeks. Um, even at the beginning of the season, I think that there's some overhype around Tuchel Ball um, and just the ability of that to succeed in the Premier League. Uh, and so I think that Chelsea are really stuck in that third spot. Um, the only reason that they could take second over Liverpool would be because of AFCON, um, the African Cup of Nations, and having losing Salah and Mane. Which is obviously going to be a huge loss for about a month. Um, I mean, for... I also I think in general they they do have more depth than Liverpool. So then it's really also not only Afcon, but can can Liverpool avoid injuries? Because I think that will be kind of the biggest thing for them. Um, because we've seen that they've got away with it for a long time. But then last year, right, a couple players go down and they were an entirely different team for most of the season. That's true. I also think um, the last season was different because Klopp had run them into the ground the past three seasons prior to that. Yeah. Um, so they, they needed just an entire season to refresh their bodies, um, which they have. And so I think it's I think I am very, very confident in Liverpool getting that second spot, even though um, they will be losing two of their best players and arguably the most informed player in the world right they're, now. They're only three points ahead as well. And I think, honestly, Salah has been carrying them. So I, I disagree with you. I think Chelsea are going to pip Liverpool that second spot. But I, I would have to say I think it is probably going to be City. But fourth place, Justin. Arsenal, West Ham United, or outside contender, potentially Spurs under Conte after seeing what they how they played against Liverpool. Or or what do you think in there? Yeah, well, well, I was going to say, I think that Chelsea, if it weren't for losing Salah and, and Mane, I would predict Chelsea to be more likely to get fourth than second. Interesting. And so, wow. I, that's, and so that's that. I, kn- I knew you'd be surprised by that because I think the only way that Chelsea gets second is Lukaku. Lukaku comes back. He starts, well, that's been a big reason that they've been so poor absolutely, recently, and so, they need him. Right? But the that's question is, how him. big of a difference is he going to make? Is he going to solve that problem? Is he going to... Pre- make it so that he will not have these uh, finishing issues. Is he going to be that clinical? I think he can be. The amount of money they spent on him, he should be. We'll see. Um, that's the question to me of, of whether they even have a shot at second or whether they are more likely to fall to fourth. And now into fourth, we have Arsenal sitting in fourth right now um, on 32 points. As you said, the the three teams behind them all have games in hand. And so that is where 
my hot take is going to come. It will be Tottenham Hotspur in that wow. fourth spot. Wow, that is a hot take. Yeah. Yeah, Tottenham Hotspur in that fourth spot. Um, uh, and I will put Arsenal fifth as well. Um, so I'm sure that surprises people as right, well. Keeping United in sixth then. Yeah, United can... Yeah, not happening. That's I'm I'm going United in fourth because they got rid of their biggest problem and that was Ole and and they have so much quality in that in that squad. They have a lot of depth. I mean, obviously midfield is is kind of their biggest problem, but I, I personally just think that I don't think Arsenal are going to be be able to sustain this because they're Arsenal. I think, I, I think I, defense is their biggest problem. I think Spurs are are Spursy, so I don't see them squeaking into fourth place either. either. Um, and uh, I don't know, like West Ham are, are good. I think they'll finish fifth or sixth. I think I think they'll get a Europa League spot again, but I don't see them, you know, bridging that gap in the, up in the fourth place. So I just I, I just I think United with the quality that they have, and then you look at them compared to Spurs, West Ham, and Arsenal. I think they just have a significantly better squad overall with Ragnar coming in. You know, we talked about for a long time, like Ole should be getting more out of this squad. Absolutely. They finally got rid of Ole. I don't see a reason why they don't finish fourth. Yeah, I mean, I think they are. Sh- I'm, I'm sure they're the bookies' favorite um, for that fourth spot because you know they have the best squad besides those f- f- front three, obviously. Yeah. Um, there really isn't a debate about that, but I don't know how fast Ragnick can put his, uh, his gig and pressing into play. His, you know, his, his style of football. It takes time to learn that uh, style of football. Um, we know that you know they've been running off the pitch. They've been running everywhere constantly. Um, but but yeah, I I just think it, it's Conte for me, and and I think Conte is a top manager in the world, yeah, he is. and so that's why I think that they're sitting right now in seventh place with three games in hand, yeah, and only six points back. So I mean, they win two of those three games, they're level. They do more than that, they they take fourth place um, from Arsenal, and. And, and I think there's no way that Conte doesn't get much more out of Kane, probably more out of Son. He, he, he sets them up better defensively. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, improvement in, in Spurs. I think that we got a preview of that against Liverpool. Um, so that's the reason. And then I, I like Arteta, so that's why I backed them for fifth. I, I can't wait for the next North London derby. That's going to be phenomenal, right? Because at that point could be you know kind of a big match in, in deciding the swing of, of who gets fourth place, assuming both teams are still going to be um, in that area. But with that, Justin, I think we should wrap up. Um, great to do this in person. We are hoping to do it next week as well. Yep. So that'll be great after, you know, busy Boxing Day fixtures. There's Care About Cup matches going on as we speak. Um, so we can discuss those if we have some big results, which I think we will. Um, so, yeah, Justin, been a pleasure doing this in person. Um, as we said earlier, go follow us on Twitter at U90Football. And, and, and we're definitely going to be asking for more questions and whatnot. Absolutely. We'll be in person next week. So we will ask, we'll put another uh, tweet out to give you guys some opportunity to ask them some questions. We'll answer all of them, uh, hopefully, unless we get thousands. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we'll be ready. We're excited to answer your questions. If you want our opinions on anything, please uh, go to our Twitter, follow us, drop some Drop some takes or some questions. Yeah, and with that, um, have a very happy Merry Christmas if you celebrate that, or happy holidays, whatever else you celebrate. Enjoy your, uh, hopefully, time with family and whatnot. Be safe, um, and uh, we'll see you next week.